Welcome to the Emerging Artist Development Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Dose. This show is committed to providing developing artists the tools to create an emerging moment. All the tips and tricks you'll learn here are borrowed from 0 to 60 by AGD, an artist development program. Whenever we're recording a podcast, we're live in our Discord channel and available for Q&A. So if you're not a part of that artist community, come and join us and we'll get your questions answered. All right, let's get started. All right, so for this discovery question, we're going to go a little bit more granular on things. Um, This comes from our artistic goals section of the career discovery module. And, you know, all the discovery questions up to this point have been really kind of in the headspace, thinking about creative process, thinking about who you are as an artist. This this one's going to kind of stay in that space, but move towards some more tactical thought. So the question is, there are three different types of producers, creative, commercial, and administrative. Which of these do you think you would work best with? So, you know, bear in mind that as we work through these modules with any clients, the client would have gone through our entire um, zero to 60 expansion, which is about 10 hours of evergreen uh thought-provoking work around, you know, building an artist's career. And that expansion goes into depth on this concept of the three different producers uh, pretty, pretty expansively in the expansion, in the expansion. Aptly titled, I would say, correct? All right. So, but I'll take us through a little bit here. So like a creative producer, uh, kind of right in the name is bringing a lot of creative ideas. Um, you know, maybe, maybe a songwriter on the project, helping with arrangements, things like that. Um, so they're kind of all in the creative, um, process. So this is maybe somebody who is one of the songwriters, maybe an artist themselves. Um, and they're contributing to the project with a lot of creative ideas, bringing a lot to the table in the making of the music in that way. Commercial producers, more of like somebody that maybe you are doing a label deal or you're hoping to sign with a label. And so they're making sure that the product is really industry standard is produced in a way that's going to be successful in all the current marketing trends and and ways of marketing commercial music. And they're mindful of that. They're aware of that and they know what works and what doesn't work from a recording perspective and from a music production perspective. And then an administrative producer is somebody who's really more of just like the schedule, uh, the budget, you know, getting, getting things done could maybe even be titled an executive producer. Um, And so those are kind of the three, three different things. So it's, it's worth thinking about if you're an industry professional listening to this, I think that a big mistake that is made in the artist development process is thinking more about credits than style. So, oh, this producer and some, sometimes genre, right? Like, oh, this producer has a lot of credits in this style of music and has had a lot of success. So I'm going to pair my artist with them. And that will make a, 
you know, successful pairing without really getting into the personalities of the two people working together, you know, is, you know, is the artist highly creative and are you taking two creative, like exceptionally creative people and putting them together that could, you know, lead to like a really out there product when the goals are commercial, that might not be a good pairing, right? Like if you have a really highly creative artist that has big goals, they might need to be with a commercial producer who can rein those creative ideas into a commercially viable product. Um, you know, if you have somebody who, you know, is, is the opposite, maybe they're, maybe they're mostly a performer, um, you might need the creative producer to make things more interesting and more exciting and things like that. So, so as an industry professional, thinking more about these things is really important as you guide your artists. And so for artists working with young managers, like make sure that they're thinking about those things when they're setting up producer meetings. And then for any producers listening to this, like this might not be something that you've really thought about if you maybe came from being an artist and went into production, like where do you excel in these three things? So hopefully this serves everybody a little bit um, and can take us a little bit deeper into who we're hiring to bring, you know, our art really across the finish line is really an important thought and process. So hope that helps. And here's your task of the day. All right, so we're going to keep with uh, music production for uh, today's podcast, and we're jumping into a task from the Artist Home Project in the Zero to Sixty release campaign. Like I've said before, the release campaigns have the five pillars um, that are kind of across that we work on tasks from each of the five pillars. And then the artist home is all of the creative tasks that kind of go over the top of those five pillars. So the five pillars are all the tasks and the five pillars are done to support the creative that we're working on. So this task is going to come out of the artist home. It's in the setup phase and it's, you know, it, it's something that I think gets bypassed a lot and it gets laid out as like a hypothetical without actually getting down into the nitty gritty and doing the work of making sure that it actually is done properly. And so that's to create your production schedule. So you've done the discovery work, you know what you're trying to create, what the product is going to be like, what the project is going to be. Um, it's funny, just a little sidebar there, the difference of what our brain does when we talk like switching out two words, we can say product and some of the artists are going to like completely disengage because they don't want to think of their art as a product while the music industry people are going to be like, that's what it is. We're making a product that we got to go take to a market, you know, and like totally think in that vein. And then you can, call it a project and the artists are like, yeah, it's an artistic project, you know, like, so those two words can kind of get interchangeable. Right. Um, 
in the way that we think about them. So um, that's kind of funny sidebar there. But anyways, whether you want to call it the product or the project, we need a schedule for when that thing is going to get across the finish line. And you, I think what happens is a lot of people lay out like an ideal schedule and they don't confirm the, you know, actualness of it with the people involved in making it like they don't like actually lay down and say, is this possible? And because of that, then usually it just becomes contingent upon one thing and then everything has to wait on that one thing and how the progress is going there. But if you really can lay down an actual schedule that everyone is working towards to meet, then there's a lot of um, multitasking that can happen and you can be way more productive just with that knowledge in that if something gets delayed, you know everything else that's going to be delayed because of it and you know what else you can work on during that delay because you've laid out some multitasking, you know, schedule wise. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So this is something that, you know, you need to lay out timelines for pre-production, tracking, and post-production with the music production team so that you can really land your master, you know, having your masters in by any deadlines that you've set up. Um, so in doing that, it's something where like to kind of unpack this a little bit, like in pre-production, you're, you know, you're writing all the songs, you're, you're meeting with producers and you're figuring all of that out. And then as soon as you lock the producers, that's kind of pre pre-production, right? As soon as you lock the, the producer in for the project, you can lay out, okay, when are our actual pre-production dates? When are we tracking? And when are we hoping to get into post-production mix and master? So, you know, all of those things are really, you know, what can you be doing during that time to make this very successful? So to kind of lay out some schedule stuff, like if you look at pre-production, pre-production is when you're going through the songs and figuring out what songs you want to record and which ones you are not going to record. And, and this is where you're making any final adjustments to lyrics and, uh, you know, things like that. This is a great exercise and doing this really takes you into like core messaging. What is the theme of the album? and can really allow for setting some of the other objectives around the project. And so that's when you can kind of start to go into some of the research for who you're going to be pitching this to. You can start to work on uh, concepts for the creative, you know, um, visuals and things like that, because you have an understanding of what it is that you're making, even though you don't have, uh, 
you know, any of the music yet, you know what the theme is. So then during pre-production, you can start to really hone in on all of the rest of the conceptual stuff based off of the theme. And so that's really great that while you're tracking or maybe waiting to track because you're in with a producer that has a tight schedule and you're on a time, like you're going to track in a month and a half. Okay. Well, don't wait until you start tracking to work on other stuff. The more you do around the theme that you established in pre-production, the better it's just going to strengthen your creative ideas. And then as you start to get mixes back, we can actually, you know, as soon as we verify the final vocal, we can actually start to create content around the vocal performances that'll get mixed and changed, but you can actually start to film some stuff because you've locked in the final vocal. So that's a conversation with your producer and your engineers. Like, is this the final vocal? Yeah, cool. Then we can start to um, film things based off of board mixes and swapping out the audio file um, with the visual as soon as it's done because we're lip syncing and things like this. So having a real production schedule can allow us to budget better for things that we are going to need to spend on outside of the album and we can multitask. And then we know that if one thing gets delayed, the thing connected to that is going to get delayed as well and try to fill our time and use our time as best as possible. But it's important that everybody understand what that schedule is and what it's contingent on. And so you're not canceling things or anything like that. So it's a lot of communication, a lot of communication. That's where having a, a day-to-day manager, you know, in on the project is, is really, really helpful. I know that's not possible for everybody, but as artists, if you can find somebody to help with all that communication, that that's going to go a long way for you. Uh, so that's something to think about too. All right. Hope that helps. Inspiration Highway. Think about the painter spending hours alone with oil and canvas, capturing an image that somehow speaks to them. And they build a collection of paintings that hopefully one day will hang in a gallery, uh, maybe a full exhibit of all of their works. And their success is now contingent upon a a lot of different things. Does the gallery have a regular attendance? Is it renowned? Will they attend the exhibit and share the personal feelings that they have about the painting? And will those feelings contribute to a collector's desire to buy the painting or diminish a collector's desire to buy a painting. Ultimately, it comes down to whether or not what inspired the painter to make the painting speaks to the person who is collecting it. All of art collection can come down to whether or not the collector thinks there will be residual value, or it can come down to whether or not they 
want to see this picture every day. And the artist, the painter has to navigate how they want their art to go into the world. Do they want it to hang in people's homes or do they want it to be collected by wealthy art collectors looking to turn a profit? And all of that can either influence the painting and how they make the painting, or it can all happen after the fact. All of these things are the same for musicians and songwriters. Just the economics of it function a lot differently. Are you writing a song thinking about the collector? Are you prepared to share what that song means and allow that to connect to the fan? Or do you want the fan to have their own experience? Are you trying to create songs that will have residual value, meaning hits? Or are you trying to write songs that a smaller group will listen to and have life and meaning on a daily basis? So think about the painter and think about the exhibit and think about the gallery and maybe go research some because these things getting outside of our own art form and getting comparisons to other artists can really help us get a perspective of what type of artists we are ourselves. Wow. You made it to the end of the episode. I'm impressed. Uh, listen, I want to keep the conversation going. I want to hear your questions, your ideas, what this made you think about, um, where your challenges are, and uh, and maybe we'll have you come on the podcast to talk about it. We are live in the Discord often, so be sure to jump in the Discord and, and discuss these things with us. And then if you haven't yet, you really got to go over to 0to60byaging.com and you got to watch the free workshop because... There's some really good stuff in that workshop. It's like 45 minutes of like solid stuff. I'm Nathan Dose, founder of AGD Entertainment, author of Zero to 60. Thanks for hanging out with us. Have a good day.